Good morning. So this is the first Sunday talk since Rohatsu Session. And I'm glad that we have a few intrepid participants who are not worrying about the storm. Of course, those of you who live here don't have to go too far, but still. We are having deep winter. Wonderful time for Zazen. And I understand that your Rohatsu sittings here went well, and that many, many of you, many, many of the Sangha, you meaning many people who are not here this morning, were participating which is wonderful. And Gyoshin and I had a really fantastic Rohatsu at Daibusatsu Zendo. And it's now late December. I don't know what date it is, but anyway, somewhere in December. And good time for you to plan for next year's Rohatsu. So even though you may be very busy in your mind thinking about next December, November 30th through December 8th, nevertheless, think of it this way. You could be dead. So if you plan for death, which is what we're doing sitting here, plan for Rohatsu all the obligations that you have. If you know you're going to be dead from November 30th through December 8th, no problem. Just tell everybody, oh, I'll be dead. <laughs> During Rohatsu, uh, various times, Ero Roshi puts up different scrolls each year. Most often, he will use Zon Roshi's uh, scroll, wonderful. This year, he used Son Roshi's scroll with the character Death. And not ever referring to this character, I'm not sure if any other people knew besides Roshi and perhaps a few students what that meant, that character. Nevertheless, the talks were quite, by and large, focused on death, right? I spoke on Baso Zenji's Sun Face Buddha, Moon Face Buddha. So this theme, death, most people, when they hear someone referring to death, think immediately, oh, how morbid. What does the word morbid mean? Death-like, having to do with death, right? Having to do with death. So yes, how morbid. But normally we think morbid, having to do with death, in the sense of how we view life and death in a kind of small, 
self, small mind fixation way, right? So this body we are very attached to, and most people really think that life is only about continuing to be in this particular form. If you examine your own ideas about life and death, I have no doubt but that there is a certain amount of attachment to this form and fear that when this form goes, what? It's the end, right? And so all of our Buddhist practice is to really penetrate the mystery of life and death. What is it to die? What is it to live? We can't understand living without understanding dying. We can't understand what it is to be fully alive unless we really die. How many of you have died? Come close. This coming close, when those of us who have died clinically and come back or almost died enough to really get a whoa feeling, really helps us in our practice. We're very fortunate because everything opens up. Roshi once said to me, you know, at the moment of death, everyone is enlightened. Not up till that moment, but at that moment. Dying is so difficult because we're grasping, grasping, grasping. I don't want to go, I don't want to go. But the moment of death, fantastic. Don't take my word for it. This is really what we are investigating. When we say die on the cushion, we mean really die to all your self-preoccupation. And as I have said many, many times, the number one self-preoccupation, which keeps most people from going to Rohatsu at DBZ, is what? Fear of pain. Fear of pain or attachment to comfort. It's not just pain. You know, it's having our real addiction to comfort disrupted. So in the sense of what, what would be some of the ways in which you are feeling uh, quite loath to be discomforted? Getting enough sleep. Right, so sleep is a big one. Oh, I can't do it. Sitting until midnight and getting up at four, no way. Last night, you know, we don't get any sleep. Oh, we can lie down for an hour and then we have to get up at 3 a.m. Oh, horrible. That kind of mind really goes directly against being able to die to small mind preoccupation. If we can't die on the cushion, if we can't die to all this grabbiness, then Zazen is sure to be miserable, all the time miserable with a few moments of maybe lifting of the misery. So 
Zen practice, Buddhist practice, is not about getting a little bit better or a little bit happier or a little bit less uncomfortable. It's about blasting through. And rohatsu is the best way. As you sit there in great resistance. I can't do this. You listen to yourself. So then you come here and we have, you know, 45 minutes sitting and it's like, okay. Pain, no problem. Making adjustments to mitigate discomfort is really counterproductive. This is very hard for us to believe, all right? Everything we base our lives on, as I said, is, this, is based on this addiction to comfort. So if someone says, okay, sit down, that's it. This is the meaning of the bell, by the way. When the Jikijitsu strikes the bell to begin Zazen, that's it. Finished, no more. Dead. This is how we become alive. I don't mean dead to... This is, words are so difficult, right? Okay? But I mean dead to this addictive tendency that we have to have it our way, to make it change a little bit. The bell rings. That's it. Final. It's also why we sit the way we do. We sit with this vigorous posture, well-grounded, well-supported, so that we don't move. We never move again. That's it. And then maybe bell rings at the end of a certain period of time and we all move. That's fine. But to sit down with the idea that you are never going to move again, this finality, this is, after all, what we're talking about when we speak about dying on the cushion, finality. And we have an expression in uh, the West called do or die, right? What does that expression convey? Do or die? Determination. Hmm? Determination. Do or die. Do or die. Act. Do it or you'll forfeit your life, in other words. What else? Anybody else? Do or die. Give it everything you've got. Pardon? Give it everything you've got. So Roshi's translation of Tisarana for Jukai and uh, ordination ceremonies is really conveying this. Right? Buddham, Saranam, Gachami, I give my life to the Buddha. Normally it's translated, or literally it's translated as Buddham, that's Buddha, Saranam, that's refuge, Gachami, I go. In other words, I go to the Buddha to the Dharma, to the Sangha, for refuge. I take refuge. This is another way of speaking about the three treasures. I take refuge. Wonderful. To take refuge in Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. In other words, nothing outside this or nothing 
temporal or nothing limited is to be taken refuge in. That's the true meaning, all right? A small mind way of living, in other words, is really a mixed up, upside down, pathetic way of wasting our lives. To take refuge in anything else, of course, you know, we're told to take refuge in everything else, right? Go to the mall. Everything we hear, all the messages we hear, especially subliminal ones in our culture, are to take refuge in material goods. So just to think, okay, Buddha, I'm sadhana, I'm gachami, take refuge in Buddha. Take refuge in Sangha, take refuge Dharma, Sangha. So to do this in itself is really miraculous, and that's what we do when we come here regularly. We shift the taking refuge in that which we can say is our career goal or our material uh, pleasure or whatever it is. And we don't say we can't have those, but we say, but my true purpose is to take refuge in Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. Then my career goals and my material assets will all take care of themselves. We really start to feel how this is true. If we give ourselves to the Dharma, the Dharma reveals itself to us. This is completely natural. It's not intellectual, but we begin to feel this. So to take it up a notch, do or die, means to give my life to Buddha. Give my life to Dharma. Give my life to Sangha. Knowing that by giving life, we receive what Shakyamuni Buddha said when he had his great realization on the eighth day. This is the meaning of Rohatsu. Ro is eighth, Hatsu's day, the morning of the eighth day, looking up and seeing the star. Having given his life, has given it completely, sat down with no thought of, well, I'll sit until such and such a time. Just, this is it. Sit down, no matter what. I give myself to it. So this is do or die. And in our Rinzai way, Linji said, Linji Chinese, said, Buji. Japanese pronunciation. Do. In other words, don't hanker after anything. Don't think there's something out there that you need. Don't think, oh, I'll do this zazen and then I'll take care of all the other things that I have to do and have the zazen be a period for thinking about everything else in your life. No! Sit down. Do or die is bougie. And so the word bushido, you know that word, uh, who knows, who can give us a good translation of bushido? Hmm? 
Do means way, right? You know, Jim. Hmm? Bushido? Bushido? No? Samurai spirit, right? To have this samurai spirit for our own lives, okay, it is not at all to be understood in the perverted sense of being a warrior toward others, but for our own lives. To have this Bushido spirit, this means I'm ready to die. That's what Bushido means. I'm ready to die. Right here. I'm on the edge of my cushion. I'm on the edge of this moment. I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm just here. Ready. This is our training in Zen. To be ready. And not only Zen, but, of course, Buddhist Buddhism. Buddhist teaching of all kinds. All great Buddhist teachers. And so... I will read from Soya Rinpoche's book, Glimpse After Glimpse, which I believe came to our library from you. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much from Meiko Simon. He says on January 1, this is all days of the year, it's like reflections for each day of the year. It doesn't say which year, so it's appropriate for every year. It's a good kind of calendar. It's not dated by year. According to the wisdom of Buddha, we can actually use our lives to prepare for death. This kind of goes against the way we typically think, isn't it? To use our lives to prepare for death, why would we want to do that? We may think that. We do not have to wait for the painful death of someone close to us or the shock of terminal illness to force us to look at our lives. Nor are we condemned to go out empty-handed at death to meet the unknown. We can begin here and now to find meaning in our lives. That means to be awake. It doesn't mean some theory. We can make of every moment an opportunity to change and to prepare wholeheartedly, precisely, and with peace of mind for death and eternity. Eternity means here what? Paradise or what? What's it mean? Huh? Pardon? Timeless, right? No time. Life after life. From a Buddhist understanding, it means life after life. No end to it. Birth, no old age and death, and no end to old age and death. No birth and no end to birth and death. So for death and birth and death and birth and death until nirvana. And then birth and death again. On January 11th, so here's what he says. The Buddhist meditation masters know how flexible and workable the mind is. If we train it, anything is possible. In fact, we are already perfectly trained by and for samsara. Trained 
to get jealous, trained to grasp, trained to be anxious and sad and desperate and greedy, trained to react angrily to whatever provokes us. In fact, we are trained to such an extent that these negative emotions arise spontaneously without our even trying to generate them. I would add, we are trained to be unmindful because we're so focused on what I am doing, what I need. It's a really interesting phenomenon. I, I saw so many examples of this this morning. Now, I'm not going to say this in any way to criticize, all right? But to, as we use Kesaku to encourage you in your practice, wake up, right? Somebody was so kind to say, okay, I will drive. And so two people who needed a ride, I said, okay, let's all leave from my house and we'll all go together in this person's wonderful car. So they came. And everybody was waiting for me to put on my boots, and I was getting ready. And meanwhile, they're standing out there talking, and the steps are covered with snow and sleet. There are two shovels sitting by the steps. Everyone's gathering by the car, chatting away. So I carefully sideways go down the steps, holding onto the rail. I'm very grateful to be driven. But this is this kind of perfectly trained by samsara, trained to hang out, trained to shoot the breeze, right? This is training. In other words, trained not to pay attention. And coming into the zendo, lights are off for morning service. To begin morning service, we need the lights on. We need the lights at the altar and the reading lights. So many small, minute details. Everybody says, well, I took care of such and such. It's your responsibility to see that there's a cushion at her seat in the middle. Why didn't you think of it? This is our training, right? Everybody is trained this way. Someone else will take care of it. It's not my job. What is your job? Ready to die. It's pay attention. Right? So as I said, I am not reacting angrily. I am not criticizing you. But this is really what Zazen is all about. If we take every single moment of our lives as the last moment, then how can we ignore anything? If we really sit, oh, this is my last moment. Isn't it phenomenal? If we walk into the zendo, this is my last moment. Doesn't this make a difference? Well, you may say, well, yes, it does. Therefore, I don't have to worry about whether the lights are on or not. I can just enjoy this beautiful subtlety of morning light. 
If we train it, anything is possible. So he continues, everything is a question of training and the power of habit. Devote the mind to confusion, and we know only too well, if we're honest, that it will become a dark master of confusion, adept in its addictions, subtle and perversely supple in its slaveries. Isn't that a phenomenal sentence? Sogyal Rinpoche is really phenomenal, just incredible. I'll read it again. This is something we all do, okay? We all devote the mind to confusion. Think about what's preoccupying you. What were you thinking about during the last sit? And some of you may say, I had no thought whatsoever. Wonderful. But some people may have had one or two thoughts. Devote the mind to confusion means that there's this and there's that. I need to worry about that. I need to take care of that. I need, I need, I need, I need. This is addiction. We don't trust that if we really simply die to everything that's going on in the mind at this moment, we don't trust if that if we do simply die to it, we will be alive. Not only alive, but ready to respond, see what has to be done. Not in a meddling way, not in a confused way, but in a true, authentic spirit of Bushido. Devote the mind to confusion, and we know only too well, if we're honest, that it will become a dark master of confusion, adept in its addictions, a subtle, subtle, and perversely supple in its slaveries. And then he says, devote it in meditation to the task of freeing itself from illusion. Isn't this what we're doing in Zazen? Devoting? This is our training. Devoting the mind in meditation to the task of freeing itself from illusion. So every thought that arises, we cut through. This is training. The task of freeing itself from illusion is a training. It's not something we just do once for a moment and then say, oh, that was nice, and move back into the mind of confusion. The mind of confusion rears up again because we're so well trained in it. So again, devote it to the task of freeing itself from illusion. And we will find that with time, patience, discipline, and the right training, the mind will begin to unknot itself and know its essential bliss and clarity. That's it. Time 
in this case, we come, we sit over and over again. We go home. We had the same at home. We wake up, sit. Come to the zendo, sit. Time. Keep doing it. This is training a mind that's already trained in another direction, okay? So it takes time. We can't just say, okay, that's it. I've decided to be a Zen student. Now I don't have to worry about all that old addiction training that I have. No, we have to take the time. Give the time. That's why our Ohatsu session is eight days and nights. Take the time. We will find that with time, patience. Patience, one of the great six perfections. Patience is so important because no doubt everyone feels that there is something in the next moment that we would rather do. Therefore, our minds are already going ahead. I want to finish this painful sitting and get on with what I really like, which turns out to be another one of those mind trainings and addiction. What I really like, what I really prefer, what I really choose. Always, therefore, we have to be patient. This is a natural thing. Our mind is trained in this. We have to bring patience and say to ourselves, shut up. Just sit down and shut up. Don't move. This is horrible. We don't like to hear this. We don't want to hear ourselves saying such a thing. But that's what patience is. So we just sit. Patience. Endurance is another translation for that perfection. To endure. Just endure. Just to be tolerant of whatever it is that we don't like. And see that we are so sure about this we. I don't like I. We know, oh yeah, I exist. I know who I am. Really? Oh. Take a little moment, analyze that. Who am I? Who is having such a hard time with patience? Discipline. We will find that with time, patience, discipline. Discipline or determination or assiduity. Another of the paramitas. To have this diligence, this discipline. To live our lives with discipline makes such a huge difference, doesn't it? All of you can already feel this compared to when you weren't doing this practice. How amazing it is to have even an iota of discipline, right? Still you feel yourself lax in this and that, lazy in this and that, but you wouldn't have noticed it before. How wonderful. Discipline. It's not a word we, uh, our culture prizes, is it? To go into the army to even hear about discipline these days. But bushido, ready to die, means discipline. I will do what I don't like. Not just because it needs to be done, but because this is training. Training. The power of habit to go against the grain of our habits and train. 
We will find that with time, patience, discipline, and the right training, the mind will begin to unknot itself. Who has tied us up in knots? Who has imprisoned us? That's the right answer. Ourselves. So who can unknot? Right? Only we can do it. This is training. And the mind beginning to unknot itself, therefore, without those knots, therefore, no, it's essential bliss and clarity. Essential bliss and clarity means it's true nature. The true nature of your mind is bliss and clarity. Not all this training that you've been putting so much emphasis on the other, the training that he begins with by and for samsara. When we start training by and for nirvana to, without, you know, the problem is we start looking at it in a dualistic way. Oh, samsara is over here and nirvana is over here. We're, get, we're going to stop being trained by samsara and start being trained by nirvana. And we have to remember that they're the same. They're one. We go into samsara with a mind of bushido and fine nirvana. That which we thought was samsara. That which we thought was so impossible to get out from under. All these addictions. We can't go around them. We have to really go into them. Look at them. This is what it means to train. So when we notice ourselves getting jealous or grasping or being anxious, sad, desperate, greedy, angry, whatever, when these emotions arise, we know them. We don't hide from them. We don't cover them over. We go right to them and say, Aha! Here you are! And cut through them. So anyway, I haven't gotten very far in this book, only to January 17th, but it's really very good. Very good. And I'll just read the last thing, January 16th. How hard it can be to turn our attention within. That's what we're talking about. How easily we allow our old habits and set patterns to dominate us. Even though they bring us suffering, we accept them with almost fatalistic resignation, for we are so used to giving in to them. This is what I was saying. When you see them arise, don't give in to them. Cut through them. Notice them. Be honest. There they are. And don't give in. Don't let them dominate. Don't have this fatalistic resignation about, oh, well, I can't really help it. I can't do this or that or the other thing because I'm not that kind of person. What kind of person are you? What is this kind of person that you've identified with anyway? We may idealize freedom, but when it comes to our habits, we are completely enslaved. Don't idealize nirvana. Don't idealize being free from old habits. Realize that it's in the moment of identifying them and cutting through them that you are free. All right? And then he says, reflection. I'm seeing what's going on. 
can slowly bring us wisdom. We may, of course, fall back into fixed repetitive patterns again and again, but slowly we can emerge from them and change. This is exactly what we're doing here at Hoenji on this morning of sleet and snow. Slowly, seeing slowly, over and over again, having the discipline and the honesty and the vow to train our minds, not for samsara, but for true freedom, for truly saving all beings. This is it.